Welcome to the Gilded Age. Money isn't everything, Agnes. And let's get this train moving. It's time to go get our train back. I'm Jared Hall from Entertainment Weekly, and here's what to watch on Monday, January 24th. We're counting down today's top three must-see picks from TV and movies. First, your entertainment headlines. After losing the top spot last weekend to the fifth installment in the Scream franchise, Spider-Man No Way Home came swinging back with a vengeance. Tom Holland's third solo outing as your friendly neighborhood web-slinger climbed back to the top of the box office, earning another $14.1 million. That takes its domestic haul to $721 million and $1.69 billion globally. Last weekend's box office champ Scream managed to scare up a decent $12.4 million for second place. In its fifth weekend release, the star-studded, family-friendly animated Sing 2 continued belting it out with $5.7 million. In fourth place was the new film Redeeming Love, based on the best-selling novel by Francine Rivers about a young couple's relationship clashing with the harsh realities of the California gold rush in 1850. It made $3.7 million. And rounding out the top five was The King's Man, the prequel to the popular spy series, which raked in $1.8 million. We've seen a lot of winning streaks on Jeopardy lately, which is causing some fans, even past contestants, to complain it needs to shake up its format. Tom Nichols, a five-time champion of the game show, recently told Boston Public Radio that he thinks the solution is to limit these endless streaks of success, which would involve retooling some of the player rules. Before 2003, Jeopardy contestants were allowed to win only five consecutive games before they were forced to retire. When that rule was lifted, smarties like Ken Jennings, who in 2004 became the highest consecutive winner on Jeopardy! history, began to hold the champion spot for five weeks on end. Nichols sees this change to Jeopardy! as its downfall, saying, quote, The whole charm of the show was to celebrate ordinary Americans showing what they knew. It was not supposed to be 38 games of Hulk smash. Since contestant Amy Schneider began winning games last year, viewership of the game show has soared. Schneider is only the fourth contestant and the first woman to hit the $1 million mark after Jennings, James Holzhauer in 2019, and Matt Amodio in 2021. For more on those stories, plus other news, reviews, interviews, and more, head on over to EW.com. Now, all aboard for today's number three pick, Snowpiercer. A new season of the sci-fi drama gets rolling on TNT tonight, picking up with the residents of the titular train in a frozen post-apocalyptic future. At the end of season two, David Diggs Layton managed to rally his supporters on Snowpiercer, and he and his inner circle now command a small pirate train searching for Jennifer Connelly's Melanie and bound for a possible warm location to restart civilization. But back on Snowpiercer, Sean Bean's Mr. Wilford is consolidating power while awaiting Leighton's return. And he's not what you'd call the forgiving type. Here's a preview. Hope is a slogan, an empty promise. There's only one way, the way I do things. Get back with Wilford. And dig a grave with Leighton. Wait, there's options? Melanie's sacrificing. Gave us a map. We find new weed and then we go back for the others. Who the hell is that? My name is Asha. I am a survivor. 
still don't get how it's possible to survive eight years out there. There's still hope. It's time to go get our train back. Wilford hates surprises. Let's go give him one. That is The Good Wife's Archie Panjabi you heard as Asha, a newfound survivor who might be able to help the crew find that warm location. Keyword, might. You can see how it plays out on the season premiere of Snowpiercer tonight at 9 on TNT. Speaking of Snowpiercer, star David Diggs recently sat down to chat about the new season with EW's Clark Collis, who also asked him, hey, what you watching? Oh, man, what have I been into? Oh, wait, (laughs) I got um, bizarrely obsessed with that show Forged in Fire, (laughs) that competitive knife making show. I uh, watched a lot of that. I have been like just scouring the criterion app of recently like watching watching old movies a lot and um what else what other sort of contemporary stuff have i been into i don't know yeah i don't know i mean i feel like i've been watching a lot but i also like couldn't really tell you what it is well at least he tried that show forged in fire that he mentioned is a history channel competition series in which four bladesmiths compete to forge various bladed weapons over three rounds you can find seasons of the show streaming on netflix and hulu fair warning it might just become your next obsession number two Calling all Downton Abbey fans for today's number two pick, The Gilded Age. The new drama from Downton creator Julian Fellows moves across the Atlantic, taking place in 19th century America, but keeps the same soapy drama, gorgeous costumes and sets, and biting one-liners, this time courtesy of Christine Baranski. The Gilded Age begins in 1882, as Marion Brooke, played by Louisa Jacobson, moves from rural Pennsylvania to New York City to live with her wealthy old-money aunts, played by Baranski and Cynthia Nixon. Soon, Marion finds herself thrust into a world of opulent wealth and entangled in a social war between her aunts and her new money neighbors, a ruthless railroad tycoon and his ambitious wife. With the world on the brink of modern age, will Marion follow the established rules of society or forge her own path? Here's a preview. New York is a collection of villages. The old have been in charge since before the revolution until the new people invaded. Well, I'm new. I've only just arrived. You are my niece, and you belong to old New York. George Russell is a power in the land. Before long, he'll put money into his pocket with every train ticket you buy. I think we should know the Russell family. We do not move in the same circles. Mama, you are incorrigible. I take that as the highest praise. How do you find your aunts? Ada is kind, but not clever. And Agnes is clever, but not kind. Well, you will have to tune in to see all of that glorious period production design. And you can do so when The Gilded Age premieres tonight at 9 on HBO. It's trivia time. What network was The Gilded Age originally slated to air on before moving to HBO? Was it ABC, NBC, or AMC? Stick around for the answer and our number one pick, What to Watch, we'll be right back. Welcome back to EW's What to Watch. We are singing a different tune here ahead of our number one pick, 
EW has a new package rolling out that has us humming with excitement. Joining me now to tell you all about it are EW staff writer Devin Kogan and senior writer Samantha Heifel. Hello, Devin. Hey, Sam. How are you? Hello, hello. Hello. I'm very, you know, excited about life. In a musical mood, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's very fitting if you are, because, yeah, we have um, a really fun package that is part of our uh, February issue, which is now on stands, and you can check this out online as well. Before the February issue, we counted down our list of what we think are the 25 best TV theme songs, but very specifically of the 21st century, because we could go back and there are a lot of great ones. But Devin, I want to start with you because this is a, uh, a feature idea that you pitched. Where where did this come from? What inspired that idea? Yeah, well, you and I had talked a lot, you know, just sort of casually as, as TV fans um, about how much we love TV theme songs um, and how, mm-hmm. you know, as EW, we haven't really done a deep dive into them. And we were t- thinking about sort of what's the best way to do that. And I think a lot of people, when they think of TV theme songs, they think, you know, Brady Bunch, they think Fresh Prince, they think <laughs> Friends, they think very, it's it's very 20th century. Um, and, and as you know, with the, the rise of the skip intro button, um, you know, and binging, uh, <laughs> yeah. we we don't see as much, uh, I think there's sort of a misconception that, that there aren't as many great TV theme songs. But as, as we started mm-hmm. to sort of think about this and like, well, maybe we do a ranking, we realized that specifically in the 21st century, you know, since the year 2000, there have been so many good ones and so many really memorable ones that have sort of shaped pop culture. Um, so we, yeah. we decided that we were going to do a ranking of the 25 best of, of the 21st century um, and sort of get the behind the scenes stories of how they came together. You know, we talked to um, composers, we talked to actors, uh, showrunners, and it was just really fun to do this deep dive into, you know, we think of the TV theme song as sort of being a relic of, of days past, but really, I would argue it's it's never been better. I mean, there are so many fun you know, really, really delightful ones out there. Yeah, indeed. A lot of that are uh, original compositions, but what uh, I guess you could say we allowed here also was that there are some songs that were already written by bands, but they actually were given new life or original life because they were found and used for the show. I'm thinking, you know, The O.C. or CSI. Um, You know, those are songs that existed, but really because the shows used them, they took on a life of their own because of that. Yeah, we had a really fun time sort of figuring out the parameters for this, um, you know, because like you said, there's, you know, do you prioritize original compositions versus songs like, you know, Gilmore Girls, which were sort of reimagined and, and revived. Um, we also looked at, you know, we, we gave a little bit of an extra edge to theme songs with lyrics, uh, because that's such a fun, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of, uh, there's such a fun history in TV theme song lyrics. Um, but also there's a lot of really great ones that, that don't have lyrics. We look at things like, you know, The Office or um, Succession. You know, so it was really fun to sort of um, look at all the different sort of genres and all the different sort of forms that the TV theme song can take. Mm -hmm. And as is the case now with a a lot of folks, we were all on Zoom. We had a few meetings. And Sam, I know when you did um, Best Teen TV last summer, um, we we had some really fun meetings, too, um, (laughs) as we were trying to, like, figure out. But who's the best and uh, who we ended up ultimately deciding on for the best is uh, one that you guys to write and really it's kind of a four for one so drum roll i'll let you tell everyone what it is (laughs) the number one best theme song of the 21st century 
is Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Yay! 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 <laughs> Streamers, explosions, Rachel Bloom <laughs> screaming very happily. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to Devin's point about, like, you know, shows kind of getting an edge if it's original music, like, yeah, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend did it four times. Yeah. They created four different original songs. I feel like, yeah, how could they not win? Well, correct me if I'm wrong. They didn't necessarily intend for that to happen, right? It's it's because, like, part of the way through their first season, they were like, wait, our theme song doesn't work now for where we're going with the story. Yeah, they very much so, like, the theme song is always kind of in line with Rebecca's journey throughout mm-hmm. the series, right? And I think... The very first theme song was about her, like, going to West Covina and following Josh, but being in complete denial about following Josh. And so when halfway through the season, the series kind of shifted a little bit because she had been in West Covina and she was now kind of starting a new part of her journey. They all kind of sat up and realized, like, oh, our theme song doesn't really apply anymore. And so I think they talked about changing it within the season, but that that first one was animated. That was going to be really complicated. Um, So they decided to write a new one for season two and then for season three and then for season four (laughs) and just completely exhaust themselves. Mm -hmm. And some they, like fans, liked more than others. It's very true. I loved talking to them about the the season three theme in particular, which I feel like among us at EW was also kind of like one of the the least favorites. Yeah. Because it's it's out there. It's like four mm-hmm. songs in one, which you know I came to find out through talking to them is essentially because they all disagreed on what it should be, and so uh-huh. they just. Everyone had a different song and then they shoved it all into one and it still works. It's still great, but it's definitely very different for that show. There you go. Um, okay, when you, I, I mentioned Rachel Bloom, but when you talked to her, she she knew they were number one, right? She did, yeah. Okay, so her reaction? <laughs> she was very, it's funny, she instantly wanted to guess like the order of the four. Oh, yeah. She was like, okay, let me, and I think she got pretty close. She was like, I think, I bet it's, Two one four three, and I was like, "That's essentially, I think, what it was among the mm. staff." But yeah, they were very proud because, you know, for a show that wrote more than a hundred songs, I think, in its entirety, yeah. it really sounds like the theme song sometimes gave them a run for their money. So they were very happy. Well, they put in the work; it paid off. I think we have a really fun list. We've kind of mentioned some of them here. I mean, also, gosh, uh, Big Bang Theory and. Game of Thrones, uh, Mad Men. We did uh, True Blood, which is one of my favorites. Uh, our colleague Jessica yeah. Dershowitz did a great interview with Zoe Deschanel about New Girl. Yeah, which that song also changed, and Zoe Deschanel did not like that change. So you got to read to find out why. <laughs> yeah, that was the most fun part of this package for me. It's it's not just us ranking it, but it's talking to the people about how they came together. You know, I I talked to the the creators of Adventure Time, and they told me a great story about how like the Adventure Time final thing is actually just a demo version. You can hear one of the executive producers like right. typing in the background. <laughs> so those are the kind of like fun details and stories that that I, I think make this package really fun, and I'm really excited that we got to do it. Yeah, I could not agree more. Well, folks, uh, if you want to check it out, of course, you can pick that up in the latest issue of EW. It is on stands now. Or you can head over to EW.com slash TV themes to check out that full list. Devin and Sam, thank you so much. Have a great day. Thanks. You too. Thank you. All right, we are diving into some dark and serious conspiracies in our number one pick, the series premiere 
of Secrets of Playboy. The A&E docuseries handles some heavy subjects surrounding the Playboy Mansion and the man who ran it all, Hugh Hefner. In candid one-on-one interviews with previous playmates, Hefner's ex-girlfriends Holly Madison and Sandra Theodore, and members of Hefner's inner circle, shocking details of the magnet's alleged mistreatment of playmates comes to light. While he was publicly painted as the ultimate ladies' man and business tycoon, Hefner and his friends secretly kept years of violence and exploitation under wraps. Now, the women who were left scarred share their stories. Here's a preview. Playboy's had a major part in the sexual emancipation of our society. You, Hefner, opened the door for the sexual revolution, I will agree. He represents, for this woman here, freedom. But Playboy has its dark side. There was a secret world. Playboy was all about powerful men preying on beautiful young women. The Playmates. It was like they were pimping us out. The Bunnies. Girls were muffled, discarded. Let's not forget the girlfriends. It was a manipulation from the beginning. Groomed us all. The shiny gloss of lavish parties and magazine covers seem to only mask the cruelty and sinister treatment that the women inside this mansion experienced. You can watch the premiere of Secrets of Playboy on A&E tonight at 9 p.m. And finally today, the answer to our trivia question. What network was The Gilded Age originally slated to air on before moving to HBO? Was it ABC, NBC, or AMC? Don't get all peacocky if you got this one right. The answer is NBC. The Gilded Age was first announced way back in 2012 and spent several years in development at NBC before moving to HBO in 2019, reportedly because its scope was too ambitious and expensive for the broadcast network. Well, that is our show for today. We will have more news and must-see picks for you tomorrow, so be sure to follow or subscribe to What to Watch so you don't miss our daily recommendations, more of which can be found at EW.com. I'm senior editor Jared Hall. You can find us on Twitter at EW and at Jared Hall. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great day. What to Watch. This episode of What to Watch was written by Tyler Aquilina and Callie Shep, edited and produced by Joshua Heller, hosted and produced by Jared Hall, and executive produced by Shana Naomi Krockmall.